1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Crombie REITs Q1 Earnings Conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on May 6, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Ruth Martin. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Crombie REIT's first quarter conference call and webcast. Thank you for joining us. This call is being recorded in live audio and is available on our website at www.crombieREIT.com. Slides to accompany today's call are available on the investor section of our website under presentations and events. On the call today are Don Clow, President and Chief Executive Officer, Clinton Kay, Chief Financial Officer and Secretary, and Glenn Hines, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. Today's discussion includes forward-looking statements. As always, we want to caution you that such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see our public filings, including our annual information form for a discussion of these risk factors. I will now turn the call over to Don, who will begin our discussion with comments on Crombie's overall strategy and outlook. Glenn will follow with a development update and a review of Crombie's operating fundamentals and results. Clinton will then discuss our financial results, capital allocation, and approach to funding, and Dawn will conclude with a few final remarks. Over to you, Dawn.
3: Thank you, Ruth, and good day, everyone, and thanks for joining us for our first quarter conference call. Despite the continued disruption caused by COVID-19, Crombie continues to pursue our long-term strategy with strong short-term results. Our long-term strategy has not changed, but we remain committed to delivering stability, sustainability and growth for the benefit of all of our stakeholders. The Crombie team continues to grow and optimize the quality of our grocery anchored real estate portfolio and execute our development pipeline, delivering major developments in Canada's largest cities while at the same time improving our balance sheet and overall financial condition. In other words, playing good defense and offense at the same time. As the capital markets turn their focus from balance sheets and liquidity to growth, Crombie is positioned to continue to perform well. We have built a very solid foundation for our business. Grocery-anchored retail, retail retail-related industrial, and for the first time in Crombie's history, residential rental units continue to be the best classes of real estate in Canada. We have executed our strategy well to deliver solid fundamentals driven by high committed occupancy of 96.3% and strong leasing performance in the first quarter. Covenant and term are highly coveted, especially during times of crisis. Crombie benefits from both the strong and improving covenant of empire and an overall lengthy weighted average lease term of 9.9 years, which is influenced by empire's remaining lease term of 13.1 years. We have significantly de-risked our business by materially increasing liquidity and the weighted average turn to maturity of our debt by leveraging multiple sources of capital as well as taking advantage of the low interest rate environment. Over 55% of Crombie's annual minimum rent comes from Empire, Canada's second largest grocery retailer. We have aligned our strategies to collectively drive high-quality, risk-adjusted growth with Crombie planning to invest approximately 100 to $200 million annually in Empire-related initiatives. This alignment includes strategic and accretive investments in the modernization, acquisition, and expansion of grocery stores, including the Freshco discount format in Western Canada and the Farm Boy banner in Ontario, accelerating Sobe's buildout of their online grocery home delivery service, voila, land use intensifications, and the unlocking of major developments. Voila operates under a hub and spoke network. Orders are filled through large state-of-the-art automated customer fulfillment centers or CFCs, the hubs of the system. To increase efficiency and expand the CFC's coverage area, a number of smaller cross-dock facilities, the spokes of the system, are placed to support each CFC. Crombie has the opportunity to participate in ownership and development of both hub and spoke locations. 300,000-square-foot Voila par IGA CFC in Montreal developed by Crombie reached substantial completion of the base building in the fourth quarter of 2020 and is expected to start delivering to customers in early 2022. We are delighted to also be developing their Calgary CFC. Crombie has also has multiple opportunities to support Empire with their spoke locations. We purchased land and developed Greenfield spoke facilities, or repurpose existing space within our portfolio into a spoke facility. We're capitalizing on these opportunities with the first 31,000 square foot spoke location, opening at our Queensway Commons property in Etobicoke, Ontario. As our portfolio continues to evolve, these hub and spoke locations will augment our growing base of retail-related industrial assets and further diversify our income stream. Crombie is fortunate to have a strong and strategic partner that will not only continue to be a Canadian grocery industry leader for years to come, but will also drive significant value creation in both food retail and real estate over the long term. In addition to this work with Empire, we have become a significant developer of major mixed-use real estate in some of the best urban markets in Canada, with a target investment of 150 to $250 million annually. These major development projects play a key role in our long-term strategy of accelerating NAV and AFFO growth. Our major development pipeline consists of 29 sites, including five near-term projects. Many of these sites are conveniently located within walking distance of existing and future transit corridors within Canada's largest cities. Our team and our current partners, West Bank and Prince Developments, have worked diligently and safely to ensure our development projects remained on track and on budget over the last few years, including throughout the pandemic. The quality and diversification of our developments and their economic returns remains of utmost importance. So, this is truly a transformational time for Crombie. In 2020, we saw our first four major developments reach substantial completion, making it a landmark year. Tenant move-ins began in November 2020, and our first residential development, Davie Street in Vancouver, officially reached substantial completion in the first quarter. We are very pleased to achieve these key milestones, and with progress continuing on our Leduc and Bronte Village projects, we expect revenue will continue to ramp up into 2022. Lastly, and most importantly, as we are in the midst of the third wave of COVID-19, We remain focused on the health and safety of our employees, our tenants, and our communities. I am incredibly proud of our capable, passionate, and empathetic team and the work they do. Our team has been exceptionally resilient while we have have been and continue to be on defense through COVID, but interestingly, they're also steadfastly focused on offense or achieving high AFFO and NAV growth over the short and medium term. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Glenn, who will provide an update on our developments and our operational highlights.
4: Thank you, Don, and good day, everyone. Crombie's strong fundamentals on our 287 property portfolio were driven by high committed occupancy of 96.3% and strong economic occupancy of 95.5%. New leases increased occupancy by 432,000 square feet while we experienced just 101,000 square feet of net lease expiries, vacancies, terminations, and space adjustments. The largest contributor to the new leasing activity in the quarter was the 300,000-square-foot Voila IGA CFC in Montreal, which commenced paying rent in January. In the quarter, 86%, or 373,000 square feet, of new leases were completed in Vectom, or major markets, aligned with Crombie's strategy of increasing its presence in these markets. At the end of the quarter, 147,000 square feet was committed at an average first-year rate of $19.05 per square foot, which will boost future NOI growth throughout 2021. 49,000 square feet of this committed space is at our completed major development projects, Avalon Mall, Belmont Market, and Davy Street Retail. Another 49,000 square feet of committed is leased to one office tenant at our Scotia Square complex in Halifax, Nova Scotia. During the quarter, 387,000 square feet of renewals were completed at a 3% increase over expiring rental rates. Approximately 60% of renewal activity occurred in Vectom and major markets at an increase of 3.1% over expiring rental rates. We are happy to say that 98% of our portfolio was open and operating as of March 31st. Our team is dedicated to ensuring our underlying business fundamentals remain strong and are able to support areas of the business that are feeling the impacts of COVID-19. Since the onset of the pandemic, there have been numerous declarations of store closures, CCAA applications, and or bankruptcies in the broader market. Our defensive grocery-anchored portfolio is well-positioned, with minimal exposure to these announced closures, with only 25 leases potentially impacted, representing approximately 1.1% of annual minimum rent. To date, only three of these 25 leases have been disclaimed or vacated, representing approximately 0.1% of annual minimum rent, which indicates the strength and resilience of our properties. Property development is a strategic priority for Crombie, as it drives NAV and AFFO growth, while increasing our presence in the country's top urban markets and diversifying our overall portfolio. We are thrilled that our first major mixed-use development located in the west end of Vancouver reached substantial completion earlier this year. Zephyr, the residential component of Davie Street, is owned in partnership with West Bank and contains 330 residential rental units. Surrounded by amenities, Zephyr is built to lead gold equivalent standard and contains a public art feature to enhance the streetscape. Lease-up has been strong With initial move-ins beginning in November of 2020, as of April 30th, 62% or 204 units have been leased. The skilled team at West Bank continues to work hard despite the ongoing COVID-19 related challenges with an expectation to reach stabilization by the end of 2021. Progress is being made at our Leduc and Bronte Village projects as they remain on track and on budget. Substantial completion is expected to be achieved in the third quarter for Leduc and the fourth quarter for Bronte Village. We are committed to unlocking significant land value embedded in our major urban market grocery stores as we continue our work to entitle upwards of 10 additional projects across Canada, generating opportunities to continue our development program. As Don noted, Empire recently announced the expansion of their online grocery home delivery service, Voila, to Western Canada, Crombie is very pleased to be involved in the upcoming development of Empire's third CFC, located in Calgary. This project is expected to be added to our pipeline in the second quarter of 2021 upon acquisition of the land. We have also completed property acquisitions and have been active in our capital recycling program in the quarter. Crombie acquired six income-producing properties and one development property in Q1 for a total aggregate purchase price of $46 million. Five of the seven acquisitions are located in Vectom, or major markets. We concluded the disposition of three income-producing properties for total gross proceeds of $42 million. And with that, I will now turn the call over to Clinton, who will highlight our first quarter financial results and discuss our capital and development program funding approach.
5: Thank you, Glenn, and good day, everyone. Crombie continues to reduce risk and maintain financial strength with a strong and flexible balance sheet Ample liquidity, creatively sourced capital, and prudent capital allocation. Despite the recent lockdowns and increased restrictions across different areas of the country, strong collection rates continue with 98% collected in the first quarter of 2021 and 98% for April. This is on par with our fourth quarter collections and a reflection of our stable portfolio. On a cash basis, same-asset NOI increased by 2.2%. Primary drivers of this growth are strong occupancy, modernization income, reduced bad debt expense, and lease termination income. Excluding COVID-19 related adjustments, such as bad debt expense, rent abatements, and a decline in parking revenue, same asset NOI would have increased by 3.8% for the first quarter. For the quarter, AFFO per unit was 25 cents and FFO per unit was 29 cents. AFFO and FFO payout ratio were 90.8% and 76.4% respectively. FFO in the quarter was impacted by improving net property income, partially offset by higher G&A and finance costs. G&A in the quarter was negatively impacted by the effects of unit-based compensation of approximately $0.01 cent per unit. G&A's percentage of property revenue for the first quarter was 4.9% or 5000000 million. G&A, excluding the impact of unit-based compensation expense, would be 2.9%. Our unencumbered asset pool is approximately 1.4 billion, or 28% of Crombie's total assets of 4.9 billion. Our debt to gross fair value net of cash at the end of Q1 was 48.3%. The increased fair value of investment in joint ventures from the completion of Davis Street Residential is a primary driver of the decrease in leverage ratio during the quarter. We ended the quarter with debt to trailing 12-month EBITDA net of cash of 9.58 times. This increase is primarily impacted by the spending on development with no income until project completion. Trailing 12 months EBITDA was also disaffected by bad debt provisions taken over the past 12 months. Looking ahead, we are focused on a continuous improvement of our balance sheet, while also retaining flexibility to pursue strategic growth initiatives. During the quarter, we renewed our 130 million unsecured credit facility, now maturing June 30th, 2023. $225 $225 million of our total debt is maturing during the remainder of this year at a weighted average interest rate of 4%. Included in this is $150 million of unsecured notes maturing on June 1, 2021, and $75 million of mortgages maturing in the fourth quarter. Crombie is committed to delivering value through NAV and AFFO growth and strategic allocation of capital, while providing support to our employees, tenants, and communities through an ever-changing environment. I would now turn the call over to Don for a few closing comments.
3: Thank you, Clinton. As we look ahead, the challenge of COVID-19 remains. However, we are committed to our long-term strategy and the safety and well-being of our stakeholders remains a priority. We expect our stable grocery anchored portfolio and financial strength together with our resilient team to continue to work closely with Empire to unlock value while supporting their business and continuing to grow. And develop crombie we are confident in the future we are building at crombie our q1 results were solid and we're excited by our future opportunities that concludes our prepared remarks and we're now happy to answer your questions thank you ladies and
1: gentlemen we'll now begin the question and answer session should you have a question please press star followed by one on your touch tone phone you'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request And your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, your first question comes from Mario Sarek from Scotia
6: Bank. Mario, please go ahead. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, Just maybe. Uh, with respect to the Zephyr and the substantial completion, uh, can you highlight how much NOI was included in the quarter, if any at all, and, and the FFO impact uh, of transferring to substantial completion during the quarter?
4: Yeah, thanks, Mario. It's Glenn. I think in the notes to the financial statements, I think it's around note four and note five. We break out uh, for Davy now that it's completed it's on page ten of the financial statements. It shows the revenue property operating expenses etc so we're showing for Davey in the quarter uh, a net loss our share of about $889,000 um, so that reflects the, the revenue in place based on the initial lease up and obviously as the year progresses that will continue to improve as we continue to lease up and achieve stabilization by the end of the year yeah okay thank you for that I'll take a look and then maybe Uh, shifting gears uh,
6: to the bad debt expense, which was fairly minimal again this quarter, uh, how much of the 0.6% would have been attributable to Avalon Mall?
4: I would say attributable to Avalon Mall. um, I can get that easily because it is the portion that is not in same asset NOI. So there's a table in the press release that shows the impact. So on page three of the press release, we show the bad debt expense impact of 227. So of the 648,000 Mario bad debt expense, um, about $400,000 of it is in properties that are not in the same asset. So I would say that's probably almost 100% Avalon Mall. Got
5: it, so okay. So of the 648,
4: 400,000 would be Avalon Mall, 220,000 is properties that are in the same asset category. Got it, okay. And they, uh a peer uh, viewers earlier this morning noted
6: improved at least residential rental demand in Newfoundland uh, recently. Uh, maybe you know, post-quarter, what are you seeing with respect to rent collection and bad debt expense at Avalon Mall thus far?
4: Are, are you seeing any notable trends there? We're delighted. Avalon Mall is 99% open uh, today. 99% of tenants, like uh, Clint mentioned, uh, uh, 90% collection in the quarter. Uh, Our traffic counts at Avalon Mall right now are at pre-COVID levels, essentially. So, um, you know, there's still a few tenants that are challenged. As you know, Newfoundland was shut down for part of February, so we did see a bit of a blip in the quarter through February. But sitting today, we're 99%-plus of our tenants are open. And I suspect Avalon Mall is probably one of the top-performing malls in the country right now, based on Newfoundland's great success with COVID. so yeah, in St. John's, Newfoundland, we're in very strong position uh, at Avalon Mall.
6: Got it. Okay. Right. Well, my last question just pertains to the uh, disclosed kind of hub and spoke strategy. Uh, I'm assuming that the expected capital deployment there would be included in the 100 to 200 million uh, per year uh, referenced by Donnie at the start of the call. Uh, how do we? How should we think about the unlevered return potential? On that capital spend relative to the more traditional store modernization returns
3: okay. well, Mary, there'll be uh, most likely the folks are in the hundred to two hundred million uh, that we're targeting for Sobe's initiatives because they're generally smaller. The major developments are where they're over fifty million dollars is the way we characterize them. Um, the returns you know we have had very solid we call them solid risk adjusted returns where we've seen returns I'll call it in the six to six and a half percent. Uh, yield on cost, um, and so that's probably a fair target um, uh, for these uh, types of investments. And um, yeah, they—they are—I'll call it similar in, in methodology for the most part to the modernizations and expansions. But yeah, that's about all I'll give.
6: In, in the recent Burlington t- land, uh,
3: we can't comment on it at this stage. Um, what that land is for, unfortunately. Okay. Sure enough. Okay. Thanks for the call.
5: Very good. Thank you. Thanks, Mario. Yep. Mario, are you still on the call? I just want to clarify Glenn's comment. He had said that the numbers in Note 4 were our share. It's actually 100% of the JV share. We would have 50% of the numbers in that note.
1: Okay. Uh, Mario's no longer in the queue, just so you know. Um, your next question comes from uh, Simea Syed from CIBC. Please go ahead.
7: Thanks. Morning, everybody. Um, A couple of questions on um, the hub and spoke model. So it looks like the options are to do it either greenfield or repurpose existing space. So what option would you feel is more attractive? And then for repurposing, I guess, as you survey your portfolio for potential space that could work, what do you look for in terms of market and just the physical
3: attributes of the space? You know, the, the selection of the space is driven by artificial intelligence in terms of maximizing the productivity of the of the network. And so, uh, we're very fortunate uh, to be working closely with Sobies in terms of their network intelligence and understanding that AI, and therefore being able to source sites. So it's, you know, clearly if we have a site that the AI would say is an area where it's good, and we have a site ourselves, and then we start looking. And and so we've announced uh, that. Uh, the site in Etobicoke will be converted, and it was a former uh, CRU tenant of ours and not a Sobe store. Uh, and uh, so that one fit very nicely for us, and uh, the returns and costs, et cetera, worked for us, uh, and so we convert, we're converting that. Um, but there will be others that are Greenfield, and you know, essentially, again, we're looking for returns you know, in that 6 to 6.5% yield on cost. Uh, in terms of overall, for the overall program, and each individual site, depending on where it is, and as you get into the uh, centers of the major cities in the country, that's going to be more and more challenging to deliver, but also potentially more and more impactful in terms of returns. So we're still working very closely, as I said, with Sobeys to try to figure out the economics on those, but we're excited about it because they think it's one of the most strategic uh, parts of their business, and we're excited to be a part of it and, and providing solutions.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, and then uh, we spoke a bit about just the strength um, at Avalon Mall, and, and it looks like same store sales were up about ten percent. So, just any more color there was? Were there just a couple of significant drivers, or just you just saw more broad based improvement from you know all all the all the tenants there?
4: I would say, Samaya, it's a broad base. But what's really cool at Avalon now is the opening of the tenants. So we've had uh, Sport Shack open recently, Tommy Hilfiger Gap, Banana Republic. So there's a really great halo effect now that the racetrack uh, phase two expansion area of the mall is open, we're having the influx of these first to Newfoundland and Labrador tenants. So that's causing a great buzz uh, in the mall. And of course, uh, uh, we had the other uh, retailer, the European retailer that's escaping me right now uh, that opened uh, last November that uh, is doing great business. So. I think we're seeing a, uh, a broad-based strength in the mall. And um, that's how I would describe it. Okay. Uh, H&M, just lastly. H&M the tenant I was thinking of. Uh, sorry, my H&M was the tenant opened uh, late last right. year.
7: Okay, great. Um, okay, and just uh, lastly is uh, sort of a, a minor detail point. But there was about um, some lease termination income of around $1.5 million in the quarter. Just wondering what that pertained to.
4: Sure. Um, Interestingly, and it's not COVID related, first of all, I think we indicated in our script that we had about 25 leases across the country that have been subject to disclaim or CCAA, and of those 25, only three have resulted in a tenant departure, which is 0.1%. Those were in my early remarks. But there was about half a dozen uh, lease terminations in the quarter. Uh, and I would characterize a few of them. A few of them were at Avalon, tenants that had made plans to depart uh, the mall and departed and we got compensated in the quarter. Uh, one in Halifax for about $400,000 was an office tenant where an M&A transaction of another tenant that we had had bought a tenant in another one of our buildings and decided to consolidate and, uh, and paid, uh, paid us out. And there was another of a call small call center tenant in Atlantic Canada. It was a bit of a mixed bag, but nothing specific that was, I'll call it COVID directly related. These were plans that were put in place uh, before, but it did add up to about $1.5 million uh, in the quarter.
7: Okay. That's uh, very helpful. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Your next question comes from
1: Tal Woolley from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
8: Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, Tal. Good morning, Tal. just as a refresher for me i'm uh i don't cover any of the other apartment rates. uh the rent control laws for bc um is it like how 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 should we be thinking about rental growth there over over time as this as that asset develops
3: you know the long-term rental growth in vancouver has been you know low single digits but three to five percent so we that's One of the main reasons in the long term that we felt uh, this investment was, you know, extremely important for us, we continue to try to grow our AFFO and ultimately, you know, through growing our rents Uh, and the rental growth there. There's been a pause. There is, you know, rent control or rental, uh, rent control effectively this year announced a while ago. I think it was last fall. And so it was one of the reasons we've gone out to market at higher rents uh, than maybe we had originally anticipated, uh, because that was in place and we weren't certain how long it would uh, last. And so we're still not, not quite certain. Uh, but I think on a long-term basis uh, with you know, tremendous macroeconomic factors, demographic factors with immigration, uh, and I think Vancouver will be uh, a fantastic place to, to invest on a long-term basis. And we're continuing to look at it, and then for Davy Street in particular, starting with a higher than pro forma number that we're quite pleased with, and our partner West Bank has done an outstanding job uh, delivering a product that's being very well received in the market that I think on a long term basis rental growth will i think revert to uh you know significant levels on a national basis and that I think in that three to five <clears> percent <throat> level um, So I I don't know if I can tell you more. I can't really predict the future tell, but uh, I got sense.
8: That's helpful. Thank you. Um, On um, the, for the spoke facilities, um, I just understand what's going on there. So this is a case where like you have one, one large carrier coming in, dropping off. Is it effectively like a cross dock facility between one carrier into a bunch of local carriers or is there actual like activity like packing and stuff like that going on in these spoke facilities
3: no it, it's a crosstalk so i mean you think about it as a, let's take an example our new uh, montreal cfc uh there's a order from quebec city and because it's you know whatever a couple hours away or whatever it's uh it's loaded on an 18-wheeler ship to quebec city and there's a, a crosstalk facility there that's a spoke where it's broken down delivered or put into a cube van, and then uh, delivered to a home and uh and then in and around the major centers in the country you know they, empire has not disclosed to date how many uh spokes that they'll have but i don't th- i think there'll be sig- a fairly significant number given the dispersion of the population and uh so they you know again it's driven by artificial intelligence which will tell them the optimization of how to deliver it profitably which i think is the big issue in delivering low margin product like groceries um, is that you know uh, even the largest players in the world can't do that profitably at the moment and have to. And I think Ocado is uh, really uh, doing it profitably in the UK and bringing that methodology to Canada through you know through Sobeys and uh, hope we have great hope that this whole network ultimately will drive some very significant profitability for Empire and be very successful.
8: And it's not um, if you were to use some of your existing shopping centers to locate some of these this. It's not seen as like a different use. Like it's, it all fits within zoning. It's not a big deal to do, or or it might take a little bit of work, but you're not that worried about it.
3: We're not worried about it at all. Generally, it fits within the use, and uh, we are smart enough to figure it out in terms of uh, figuring out the 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 traffic flow, the civil engineering, and the parking, which is really you've got parking of cube vans, et cetera, and putting those in place, placing those in areas where it doesn't affect uh, foot traffic for the adjacent retail. So, um, which is what we're we're doing in the current location, that, the first one that we're doing.
8: Okay, and then uh, just maybe right now, I know I know in the maritimes there's been some you know some restricted activity that's happened. Unfortunately, uh, can you just give us a rundown of sort of like how things are kind of evolving right now, and whether we should have any real you know should we have any concerns about uh, just lockdown activity and stuff like that for the next quarters?
3: I'll speak generally to it. Uh, We're in lockdown in Nova Scotia, but the other three provinces are doing pretty well. Um, And uh, we've got on it early here in Nova Scotia. The government and departments of health have done, I believe, a very good job of managing the pandemic for the last 14 months. And getting on it early has proven successful in the past, I think, not only for Nova Scotia, but New Brunswick and Newfoundland. And uh, we're hopeful. We're still waiting to see numbers come down. They've been, you know, still ramping up, but our test positivity rate is very low. I think we're still less than one percent. I saw a number was 0.78 percent, which is much lower than you know um, some of the provinces in central and especially western Canada. So that you know, we've done a lot of testing, and the community has got together and really uh, you know become. I think the norm now is to be tested on a regular basis in addition to ramping up vaccines to a high level. So we're hopeful. Uh, But again, in New Brunswick, PEI and Newfoundland, uh, we're, we're open, as Glenn said earlier, and all of our retail. And I think one of my peers had a great joke. He said, you know, the best retail is open retail. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so we we've been fortunate, especially with Avalon to have that. Um, So, and, and where we have, uh, in areas of lockdown, you know, we're an essential service, so we're, we've been we've been
4: relatively in good shape. So okay,
8: um, am I, I like to l- add to that? If yep. I could,
4: we, we were running um, around 98% open uh, for the portfolio, and with the recent lockdown activity, I think the last out I saw we're about 93.3%. And I would say the Halifax lockdown and Nova Scotia lockdown is a factor in that, but we're still pretty satisfied to have 93.5%. Of our uh, of our tenants open and, and doing business, but that's off a high of about close to ninety eight percent.
8: Okay, and then just my last question, um, you know, prior to you know the world kind of going into chaos over the last <laughs> twelve plus months, uh, you know, you guys were sort of setting up kind of like long term longer term financial um, guidance for uh, the street, you know, at sort of like that three to five percent NAV growth, three to five percent. Uh, FFO, FFO per unit growth. Um, obviously, a lot's changed. Um, you know, but you've sort of continued to move things forward. Uh, you know, do you still sort of feel comfortable with that, or any sort of changes around how how that how that sort of prior guidance kind of looks a year plus later?
3: Yeah, no, I'm comfortable with it. Tal. it's. Um... You know, that's a best in class measure in my mind. And uh, so, and I think we're, yeah, we've been at the lower end of that. So it's really trying to get into the upper end of that range on both NAV growth and AFFO growth. (laughs) The nature of the portfolio is it's, you know, one of the strongest in the country. We've evolved it over the last decade. Uh, You know, really managed the portfolio well to a position of of strength, as you're seeing with both in a time of defense and a time of offense, as we commented in our script. And so, As we transition to, you know, having 10% of our portfolio in the next year or two being residential, which has very high occupancy rates and very strong rental growth. Uh, We've got 10% of our business roughly being retail related industrial, which is full. Um, You know, we just continue to evolve our portfolio towards essential uh, services and grocery anchored retail. We think they're the three best asset classes in the country. Uh, at the moment and uh, and then you know given the transition we can achieve those kinds of of growth the spending and, and work with Sobies is critical too to improve their network uh which some people again don't understand but it's really trying to improve their competitiveness and our ability to invest with them uh also drives growth uh, on a consistent basis if we're able to achieve those spending targets so um yeah so we're pretty confident still
8: okay that's great thanks very much gentlemen. thank, thank you all.
1: Your next question comes from Jenny Ma from BMO Capital Markets. Jenny, please go ahead.
0: Hi, everybody. Um, Hi, Jenny. I wanted to ask about the spoke specifically at Queensway Common. Um, I'm not sure if I missed it earlier on the call, but how does that align with the store that's currently there? Is it is it in the same property or is it kind of like a couple blocks over?
4: Yeah, there's no grocery store, Jenny, on that site. I think the... The 31,000-foot space that's at the Queensway was a, uh, a former golf store, or a, uh, I believe it was. So it was vacant space. There is a, a Sobey store in the neighborhood, but this um, this spoke would be serviced by the Vaughan CFC, and it is the first C, uh, the first spoke facility that uh, Sobeys is opening has opened in, in GTA, and there's obviously more to come.
0: Okay, so if, if I'm understanding it correctly, with the spoke facilities, there's no, you know, it's, it's part of the Voila ecosystem, right? There's no back and forth with any stores that might be close by, is that correct? That's,
4: that's correct. correct. The second part of the Voila program, though, is a curbside pickup program that's using some of the same Ocado Voila technology. So they're rolling that out. But no, the hub and spoke program is um, separate entirely from grocery store in terms of grocery store involvement it's orders being assembled at the hub and as Don mentioned uh, transported to the spoke which is a cross dock facility put into delivery vans for the last mile delivery
0: okay and I realize you know with this being the first one um you might not want to get too specific about the details but when we think about rents on these spokes um you know they're classified as an industrial property, and I guess it depends on what the what the use of a of a former unit would be. But how does that um, rent sort of fall between that retail to industrial spectrum?
4: Yeah, and basically it's just the, our as Donnie mentioned, the return that we're getting is a function of six to six and a half percent yield on cost. So it's really the the rent will fall out of the capital costs that are involved. So obviously the rents will vary depending on the size of the uh, the spoke and the capital cost to get it ready they're relatively simple um, because their cross-dock facilities are there to receive orders and then to quickly turn them around uh, through the delivery vehicle so that's all I'll say I won't give you any dollar specifics but it's based on a yield on cost which is very accretive for Crombie.
0: okay okay got it and and how long does it typically take to get a spoke ready from uh, from a box that you already
4: have uh, it varies uh, the one that we did on the Queen's way uh, was probably about a year uh, in the works so it was in that range and Some of the other spokes will do will vary but the the first one that we have completed is in the range of about, uh, about 12 months from beginning to end and there was some municipal approval process uh, There as well, so that's sort of an order of magnitude if we're starting from you know buying land and developing then it could be a little bit longer than that obviously Jenny, but in this case a little bit more efficient because of dealing with a pre-existing structure and as long as approvals are in place on an efficient, time efficient basis in and around that twelve month range. Okay, and Jenny, great, it's one helps. of the key it's one
3: it's one of the key features of our development pipeline. As you know with the major mixed use developments, they can sometimes take three to five years. Whereas some of these industrial uh, developments are taking us 18 to 24 months. And in the case of Spokes, as Glenn said, twelve to maybe even eighteen months. But they allow us to, uh, call it modulate the uh, spending uh, uh, in our pipeline. And so as we've set these targets, uh, as we evolve both the mixed use pipeline, it's larger commitments, longer periods of time, but you know, clearly riskier, but with a higher nav pickup. Uh, but then these are the, the, the industrial or the hubs and spokes are shorter timeframes with uh, call it better, I'll call it risk adjusted returns. And, uh, and short timelines. So it's it's a really nice balancing act for Crombie to be able to manage our spending levels and manage our commitment levels, uh, you know, as we look forward and try to develop a very mature development program. It's a nice feature.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. That's uh, that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, moving over to the bad debt, um, I, I realize we're talking, you know, small numbers here, but it did tick up from Q4, of uh, 2020, so I'm just wondering what the moving parts were, and if there were any, um, you know, specific one-off tenants that may have driven that change.
5: No, Jenny, it, uh, I think it's Clinton. I, I think the, the, you know, the little, I, I call it minor blip, would have been that we had the Avalon Mall closed for a period of time in the quarter. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's what you get attributed to, but nothing. Okay. That.
9: Okay. We're good.
4: quite happy with our expense. Uh, as Clinton mentioned, Jenny, 0.6% of revenue, I think stacks up pretty well amongst the, the peers and uh, we're pretty satisfied. And with collections staying in that 98% range, we're cautiously optimistic from here.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, and then uh, my final question is um, in MD&A with regards to the disposition, not sure if I'm, I'm not reading it correctly, but it said in a footnote that the, the net property income uh, last year was $11 million on the $42 million of disposition. Um, can you walk me through um, what, what the gap is there?
4: That sounds, uh, that sounds, yeah, that's that in the MDNA or the financial statements, Jenny?
0: It is in yeah. the MDNA.
5: Maybe we'll, well have, to have to property. Glenn, why don't we get away. back? Jenny,
3: we'll get back to you on yeah, that. We'll, we'll get back to you on that, Jenny. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much.
5: Okay, have a good afternoon. Your next
1: question comes from Tammy Beer from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
10: Thanks, and uh, hi, everyone. Um, uh, my apologies. Uh, sorry, my apologies. I, I did miss the opening remarks um, at the start of the call, but maybe just on, on Zephyr, c- can you just comment on the impact it had from a fair value perspective in your debt to gross value calculation um, relative to maybe the cost that are shown uh, in the notes.
3: Uh, You know, what we'll we'll say, uh, Pommy, is that we're taking, uh, we've benefited from a partial recognition of the NAV creation at Zephyr. Um, We're not gonna get into specific property by property numbers, um, but, uh, you know, we have uh, provided some ranges in, as you know, in our investor day back in 2019, where we could all get together. Um, and so those ranges are all, you know, holding. And uh, and we've said I think in recent IR, $1.30 to $1.80 a, a share, uh, which is what 200 to 280 million dollars in NAV creation potential in the first six. And so what we've recognized to date is a, you know, a portion of Davy Street uh, to date, and uh, and and I think a portion of uh, the Montreal CFC that was completed in Q4 is what's. Which so far been recognized but you can see it helping us <clears throat> move our debt to gbv and a fair value down quite nicely uh which is what you know the, the, the our plan was all along so um, i apologize but we're just not prepared to get property specific information on that front that's okay
4: but so, tommy and note forward to the financials you'll find some color on that so if you want to have a read there you'll see some details on on fair value got it
5: uh, that's
10: uh, that's helpful um, and presumably, you know, as, as this property gets stabilized over the course of the year, then I, I presume you would, you know, ultimately pick up the full um, fair
3: value recognition, yep. right? Oh, yeah, uh, clearly. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. And in fact, Tommy. in fact, Tommy, we've been, uh, West Bank's been doing a heck of a job out there in terms of lease up and at rates that may were higher than our original pro forma. And, um, you know, we're hopeful that'll continue. Um, and if it does, there may be additional pickup, but it's, it's still too early to tell.
10: Yeah, I know the uh, the leasing does look to be going pretty well, considering I believe it only started last fall, and you know I think still yeah. um, you know with everything that's been happening uh, from the pandemic standpoint, yeah. so that's good to see.
3: Well, um, yeah, and also ca- to, cap rates on re- cap rates on Resi have compressed in Vancouver. As you know, CBRE's latest report yeah. is two and a quarter to two and three quarter, and uh, you know so it's 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 a in improving market I think in, for us improving market circumstances. Got
10: it. Um, Maybe just um, switching gears, coming back to the, um, the lease termination, just to clarify, was any of that uh, related to, I believe, the Walmart, um, the top sale? Uh, I believe that's one of the closures um, in your portfolio. But just any anything you can share there? And then just um, prospects on perhaps releasing that space.
4: Sure. Top Sale Road, Walmart is our one and only Walmart in the country ironically enough. It's got about 12 years left of remaining term So we're not worried at all But there's no lease termination income in the quarter relating to that store still open I think we have an idea when the closure date will be it's 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 coming But as you know from many of those old uh, Walmart leases POMI rents are relatively low So uh, this is an 85,000 foot store. It's in a grocery anchored center with other great tenants. Sobeys banks, etc. So, um, we'll take our time and come up with a redevelopment play there that'll be I think quite accretive to both a f f o and nav, but until we sort that out, we'll be paid rent in the ordinary course
10: I see, and so they they um have they provided sort of the the i think at what point that store will actually close?
4: yeah, I believe it's sometime this year I think they've been public about that uh, in terms of a closure date and um yeah, and then from there, we'll, as I say, there's 12 years left in the lease. Uh, they don't have a must-operate clause, obviously, but they have to continue paying rent, and we will evaluate next steps uh, uh, at the appropriate time.
10: Got it. And then just lastly, just with some of the other um, uh, determinations that you mentioned, uh, some smaller stuff, just generally speaking, you know, the timing of when perhaps you think you'll be able to get some of that space, um, you know, backfilled.
4: Uh, good question actually the office space in Halifax we've got prospects for Uh, the call center space uh, that's in Atlantic Canada no current prospects and uh, we've got avid prospects for Avalon Mall we've got some tenants there that want to expand I mentioned earlier about some of the first to Newfoundland and Labrador tenants that have recently opened but the the spaces at Avalon we're feeling really strong about and um, probably the majority of the lease termination income around around half of it would have been related to Tavalon Mall so uh, we're feeling very good about about that
10: got it thanks very much Glenn I will I'll uh, turn it back
4: thanks Bonnie. thanks
1: Tommy your next question comes from Sam Dalmione from TD Securities Sam please go ahead
9: thanks and good afternoon everyone um, Bye, Sam. just Hey, uh, just to, st- to start off on the developments um, with the you know the three new projects that have been added to the near term pipeline, how should we think about yields on those relative to you know the the, the recent Davy Street specifically in, in Leduc, which is coming up for completion shortly, um, where you were kind of in the in the mid fives roughly for for on average for these residential projects historically, you know how how, how do you think about yields going forward on you know, Broadway commercial and and uh, in the one in Halifax.
3: You know, Sam, we we think of the yield still in the fives depending on the nature of the uh the development. Um and so we would typically obviously target, you know, I think it's maybe aggressive, but we do it anyway, it's probably 150 basis points over over uh acquisition cap rates, but we've managed well over that in Vancouver to date. There is certainly pressure in terms of construction costs uh, at the moment, and so we're still working very hard. We haven't committed to the large projects at this stage, but we're working very hard to you know ensure we're forecasting, I'll call it conservatively, and so that might compress the yields on cost to some degree. But so far to date, we've been able to, uh, you know first six, we've, we're basically on target and on budget. Um, and we benefited from uh, rental increases and cap rate compression. In the future, to date, we're still seeing uh, the ability to pass on those cost increases to consumers uh, through rental increases. Um, and, you know, when we first started looking at some of these projects, you know, a year or two ago, cap rates were higher for uh, these types of projects like broadening commercial. So, so we think all in all, we're, we're still in good Dead and can make you know make them work and moving forward haven't committed uh, but working towards that uh, with our partner uh, West Bank on East Broadway an example but it's, it's it is we are seeing inflation uh, that's running at a higher rate and it has been volatile um, so it's it's something where we're very conservative uh, in our in our predictions and, and will continue to be uh, you know going forward
9: thank you and just to be i guess to, to be clear i mean you you've put uh 1780 east broadway on the near term list because you've got like your your intention is 100% to commence construction on that on that one next year barring any you know crazy unforeseen situation you you based on your current assessment of the market on both the revenue and the cost side that 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 one's a go is that is that right
3: no, Sam. I, what I would say is that we're working very closely with West Bank and the City of Vancouver and uh, looking to get the project approved. So until that happens, obviously it's not. And mm-hmm. so there's no, no such thing in development as 100% certainty. Um, <laughs> there is still work, there's still, still work to do. Um, and before it's finally approved, obviously West Bank and ourselves will need to you know, have everything uh, up to date in terms of cost forecasts and revenue forecast, and there's a portion of that that's condominium, condominium pricing, uh, et cetera. So still, uh, you know, work to do to have the project be, you know, 100% committed, and it won't be committed until we actually, you know, sign the contract to uh, commence construction. So for us, we have, uh, you know, uh, I'll call it off-ramps if the market uh, changes for the negative. And uh, that's normal in development, and especially with sophisticated developers uh, like West Bank and ourselves, that you, you're basically trying to, you know, make sure you've got that clear picture to profitability. And in our case, we like those mid-five returns on assets that have a three-cap handle when, when it's finished, because for us, we look at it as a very significant margin of safety uh, when we actually make the commitment. So, Anyway, we're continuing to work forward on it and uh, we'll be comfortable when we do it and, you know, we bring it to our board for final approval.
9: Right. But the market as it is today, it it, it would be a go if everything was ready to go.
3: We think the market conditions are solid. Um, As I said, we're concerned about cost increases, but we are seeing rental increases and we think the product really fits the market. West Bank's done a spectacular design, Uh, but we still have work to do with the city. So, um, you know, until we get to the final point with the city then uh you know that's not determinable right and so we're, we're getting closer but we still have work to do
9: gotcha and last one for me and i'll i'll listen to the replay if this has already been asked but certainly the uh the lease up at zephyr has been uh, has been quite uh quite strong and uh, you know congratulations to you and your and your partner there um so just uh, i guess you know given the given the pace of the lease up you know, did you did you go out with an asking rent that was perhaps a little lower than you initially hoped, just in, in order to get the velocity? And how does or how is how do the rents that you've achieved today compare to your pre-COVID expectations?
3: Yeah, so we're, our original the rents that we've gone to market with are much higher than our original pro forma, and so we would have set our pro forma four or five years ago, and then uh, revisited it. Uh, last year, and then uh, once the province brought in rent control, we actually went to market with higher rents um, because we knew we wouldn't get growth for a year. Maybe we weren't sure if it would be even more than that. And the market's been very receptive. And in fact, we just you know looking at increasing our rents beyond that uh, number. So there is no discounting to get pace. Uh, in fact, we're, uh, we're you know out to market with rents above mar- above our pro forma. Um, and uh, still exceeding our, our expectations in terms of lease-up. And, uh, and leasing, you know, is, is, is broad-based uh, in terms of across the units, so we've got lots of quality units left, and, uh, and it's just going very well. West Bank does an outstanding job in terms of the marketing and model suites, and uh, we've we've benefited as a team uh, from that.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. I'll turn it back. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thanks Thank
1: you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. Okay, it appears there are no further questions at this time. Please proceed.
2: Thank you for your time today, and we look forward to updating you on our progress on our Q2 call in August. Stay safe and healthy.
1: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Thanks, everybody.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.